earlier, Andrew Stetka. We will reschedule. But joining us right now is a longtime Major League General Manager. He's now the host of the leadoff spot on XM uh, MLB XM Radio, and that is Steve Phillips. Steve, thank you for a few minutes. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Good to be with you. Steve, uh, I heard you the other day. I always like listening to you, and especially when you're on with Eduardo uh, and, and CJ. I like CJ, too. But uh, you drive that show. You do a great job hosting that show. And I found us of a like mind on the electronic umpiring uh, uh, issue. And I especially was excited that I had somebody that I respect like you, Steve, that had a vision for what it would do to the pace of play. Uh, Once you took out all the BS with players, facial expressions, getting out of the box because they're griping about a, a call. Could I ask you to discuss what, how you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I look at that and think that, that, um, you know, the electronic umpire, first of all, what I, my belief in is, is a general manager. The thing that always got me frustrated was particularly when it comes to balls and strikes, was the one-one pitch, right? The one-one pitch is such a critical pitch in his bat. Uh, and if an umpire makes the wrong call and it becomes one and two instead of two and one, it completely changes the dynamic of the at-bat and can change the ultimate dynamic of a game. And so I've always been in favor of I want whatever the result is on the field to you know that actually happens to be the result that plays out in the game. And, and even if it meant that it would cause me to lose the game, I'm willing to do that. I just want what actually happens to be to lead to the result, and so I'm in favor of the automated strike zone. I think it, it, you know, one, it would get it right. Two, I think that as a hitter, it comes down to a level of acceptance that there's no more debate, there's no more argument, and there's nobody to argue with. You can shake your head, but you're not going to turn out to an umpire. You're not going to step out of the batter's box. Right? There's nobody to disagree with because the umpire's not the one making the call. He's just signaling whatever the automated system told him that the, it was a ball or a strike. I think the pitchers who normally don't like a pitch, they get it, they stare at the umpire, they step off the mound, they walk around the mound, they have to regroup. Yeah, I think it changes the whole energy of the game, and I, I do. I think that that's case the play. Now it's a matter of, okay, it's a ball, it's a strike, okay, we move on to the next pitch. Uh, because there's nobody to debate about it, and, there's, and there is no debate because we got it right. I think it's the same thing in tennis. When they, you know, you watch tennis and they go to that uh, the system where you know, the, the, the cameras tell you whether the ball's in or it's out, and there's nobody to argue with, and people aren't walking around sort of debating it all. So I think it would make a big difference in the game, pace of play. But also, I just want it right. I want I want the result to be what the actual result is of the actions on the field. You know, it's interesting, Steve. I've been a proponent of this for about four or five years pretty strongly. And the more video replay enters the game and we allow – now, video replay was brought in – to, to fix a real problem when egregious mistakes are made. But we've now taken it to where a guy steals second base and his foot comes off the bag as he's getting up and the guy keeps his glove on and now they video replay that and they say, you know what, he was out because he took his foot off. We're willing to, to accede to that, but yet we're allowing right now a different perspective of the strike zone to enter the game every night. Yeah, I'm with you. I, and here's the thing. Like, you know, when I was a general manager, we first started voting on, on review and on, you know, re- replay. Uh, and, you know, they take a vote. Three of us raised our hands the first time in favor of it. And 
Bowden and I were one of them. I don't remember who the third was, but three of us. And then the next year we voted on it, and probably ten people. Then it was half, and then you right. seen it sort of grow. Uh, and, and and here's the thing: like I'm okay that it's turned into you know in some ways the guy goes goes off the the base, and we say, oh, if if that's the actual result on the field, then I want that to be the result yeah. on the field. Again, it, it fits into my I want consistency all around. It and I'm with you on the strike zone. It, it should fall into the same category. That people say, well, you know, you're taking the human element out of it. I don't care. That's right. not what I'm playing for. I'm right. playing for the players to play and the result to be the result. The one thing that, that review and replay has shown me, think about how many plays get overturned. In the history of baseball, how different might it have been, could it have been, if actually calls had been done right? right. Because the, the, the number of calls every single day that get overturned are profound when you add those up. And so the whole element of the game of baseball would be different if we actually had review going back in history. You know, the other thing, I, I can't tell you how many times I saw somebody like, and I'm using him as an example, Kevin Gosman, get squeezed on one pitch, and it ended up taking his pitch count from, you know, second inning, he'd be out with 28 pitches. All of a sudden, he's got to throw 18 more pitches. The guy fouls off four pitches, he walks a guy, and suddenly he's 18 pitches. I find the the whole thing about limiting innings pitched with pitchers to also factor into this that, you know, every throw that a pitcher makes has a value to him in terms of his arm and its uh, ability to respond and return uh, to perform. And I think that uh, all too often we see pitchers really get squeezed out of games because they're forced to throw a lot more pitches because one pitch was missed. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I, you know, people say, well, what's one pitch? It, it be, it's that it leads to others, and that's really the, the issue of it. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. It's no insult to umpires at all. I don't mean it that way yep. in any way, shape, or form. They're being asked to do something that is impossible and has to be perfect on every pitch. Uh, and, and the idea that, that you can't be, uh, and the, the fact that we should just accept it to me just doesn't make any sense. That, you know, well, the human error, the human element of it, we just accept that that's the case. I don't, I don't understand why. Because when you put as much as it takes into building a team, uh, playing 162 games in 187 days, the preparation of the offseason, of putting together a roster of talent and everything else, of going into spring training, the, the idea that, that a mistake by somebody who's completely unaffiliated with the teams that are involved playing the game, uh, that their mistake could cost either one of the teams, you know, uh, a loss based upon, in, in, after all the blood, sweat, and tears it takes to put it together, just doesn't seem right to me. And if we can avoid it, why wouldn't we avoid it? I, and, and I think that's part of it for me, is that, that I know what it takes to, to do it, to put the team together, to play the season, the grind of it all, of, of all of the injuries and overcoming it, putting rosters together, and, and, and you know, to feel like, you know what, we're right now, we're hanging in there by the skin of our teeth trying to, 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 to survive, and we got a chance to win a game right here, but we don't because the umpire made a mistake. Uh, and not, not intentionally, just because mm-hmm. we're human, it, it, it is one game that I, I can't rationalize because we can do a better job and if I have to try to do the best I can, why can't the game do the best they can to sort of police right, wrong, and, and, and all of the decisions that are made during the game? We're talking with Steve Phillips, ex-New York Mets general manager, now the uh, 
host of uh, the leadoff spot on MLB XM Radio, Steve, uh, wanted to ask you the Machado incident this past week, which which led you to be talking about this, you and Eduardo to be talking about it, which led me to call you to talk about this. Is there an opportunity within all the ugliness on both sides here that Manfred really says, you know what, we really have to move on this issue because it's starting to get both sides are entrenched in their opinion, and we got to move on from this. Yeah, so so you know, Manny Machado argues with Bill Wilkie, the home plate umpire. Yep, uh, doesn't like the calls and and goes nuts. Right, throws yep. his bat back to the bat stop, throws his helmet down to the ground, and and had some you know what seemed to be or appeared to be unintentional, incidental sort of brushing the arm of the umpire. Now, I'm completely in favor of rules that protect umpires from physical mm-hmm. contact from players. That, and I think we all would agree with that. Just as I uh, think there are rules, and there should be, and there are rules that protect players from physical contact from umpires. Uh, you know, but the issue of you know a player getting that violently angry over a missed ball and strike, I think points to that we need to address the automated strike zone because players take it that seriously. Yep. They look at every at-bat as that important during the course of the game. And for teams to, you know, to, for us to dismiss and say, well, you know, the umpire missed it, you, gotta learn, you just have to learn how to deal with that. Sure, I don't disagree that, that there's got to be better emotional control. Right. But that's correcting the, the reaction to what is the, the pink elephant, which is the mistake that was made in the balls and strikes that take place in the game. So... You know, I, I know this, that, that the commissioner is a forward thinker, yep. and I believe that at some point he'll be willing uh, to go to the automated strike zone. I know they all want to make sure the technology's right. They all want to make sure that, that when we do it, that we do it right. But uh, I would be pushing so hard, if I were in the commissioner's office, to make sure that we're getting to that point, because yep. I think it'd be in the best interest of the game. Hey, I want to spend a couple minutes real quick, a uh, couple different topics around the, the game of, the, of baseball right now, Major League Baseball. Uh, Gabe Kapler, is he on the hot seat in Philadelphia? Uh, you know, I don't think he is. I, I think that, that, you know, second-year manager, uh, I just I can't imagine uh, that he's going to be that quick on it. You know, it's the guys who hired him are still in place there. Um you know, you, you look at some of the, uh, the issues that they've had. They've had some levels of injuries that certainly have impacted them. Uh, they've had some underperformance from some other players. Uh, you know, I think the issue of Segura's hustling and, and that whole thing, uh, you know, people are celebrating that, you know, punishment isn't the right way to do it. I, I got to tell you, the, the, the biggest motivator for players is playing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take money, but that doesn't hurt them because the most you can find a guy is five hundred dollars, and you know when they're making you know thirteen million, five hundred dollars is a spit in the ocean. But taking away playing time, uh, or or you know in some cases pulling a guy from the game and, and it leading to embarrassment for the player, not the manager embarrassing the player, the player embarrassing himself by the lack of hustle. Uh, I think that there should be some punitive nature when players don't hire, and that that is take you out of the game. And until you're willing to, to start to give us the effort that we're expecting from everybody else, I would take you out. So, so I know people have celebrated. You know, some are saying, "Well, the right thing to do, the old school way, is to punish guys." I, I don't know. I, I maybe I am old school in some ways, but I, I think if a guy's not hustling, uh, then he doesn't deserve to be on the field because he's disrespecting the game. So, uh, and I like these girls as a player, but mm-hmm. I know this Charlie Manuel back in the day pulled Jimmy Rollins from games. Jimmy Rollins, who was the star of the sure. team. 
when he didn't hustle a few times, Charlie Manuel said, come on out, sit down next to me. You're not hustling, you're not playing. And it sent the message. And I think in the long run, there was a level of respect. That, that Because when you make that decision, it's not exclusively for that player. No, it's you're for the benefit of the team. The other yeah. 24 players, and you're sending that message to the 250 minor league players in the organization about what is acceptable and what's not. And that if you don't live up to expectations, there are consequences for that. So, uh, so, but I, you know, I think there's different ways of doing it. And I'm not uh, pig-headed to think my way is the only way. Uh, and so I'm not, I don't think Gabe Kapler should lose his job at all right now. Uh, I think that in order to, I think he will. Uh, and I think that, that they've got to find some different inspiration. And they need their good players to start to play well consistently in order for them to be competitive. The Nats, will they get a deal done with Anthony Rendon before July 31st? Boy, I, I guess, you know, if they've been aggressively pursuing it and they still don't have it done, then it makes me worry if it's going to get done. Yeah. Now, it is Scott Boris who likes to slow play negotiations uh, and who would prefer his players to go to free agency to maximize the value in the open market. Um, so if I'm the Nationals, I'd make every effort. I'll, I'll at some point say this is my best offer, uh, and I hope you take it. And if you don't, then we're going to trade you. But I think that they have to trade him if they don't sign him. You cannot let him just walk the free agency for draft picks. They've got to make a deal. He has real value. He's a significant star. Uh, and, and here's the thing. If you don't get him signed, and I, you know, July 20th is the date. If you don't get it done, then I'm going to trade you between the 20th and 31st. I'm trading uh, Max Scherzer, too. Because uh, there's, the likelihood is you're not signing Rendon back after the season either. If you can't get it done now, you're not signing him after the season. There's nobody out there in free agency that can say, okay, if we don't get Rendon, we'll get this guy. Nobody. Uh, and therefore, uh, you know, I think that it means that they're not going to win uh, next year. If Because if they're not winning this year with Rendon, they're not going to win next year without him. Uh, and then I trade Max Scherzer because you can maximize a big return. And for Rendon and Scherzer, you can be back competing and being a playoff contender in two years. Let me uh, ask you: Could Dylan Bundy? I know, I know you. You probably don't watch Oriole games as close as I do because you're, uh, you know, you're you're touching base with every team. Dylan Bundy, on the face of it, his record is three and nine this season, and his earned run average is four point five nine, I think. Uh, but his last nine starts, he's th- uh, th- he's three and six. The team's result of three and six in fifty two innings. His his uh, ERA is three forty six, and he's given up forty seven hits, fourteen walks over fifty two innings. So it's probably about one point two. Could Dylan Bundy be a starter's version of Ryan Presley this year? Because I ask, because it's easy to sit here and go, ah, they should trade the Yankees, should trade for Stroman or Madison Bumgarner, Zach Granke. Those deals can be complicated. Is there a team out there that Dylan Bundy could help? Yeah, so I think that he's in that category of uh, somebody might target him. You know, Zach Wheeler's a guy with the Mets mm-hmm. who, you know, had some good numbers in the past and, and has had classes this year but hasn't been consistent. Uh, and But somebody could close their eyes and dream that he could, you know, we could fix him. Now, my experience is, now, Presley was somewhat, now, Presley was pitching well for Minnesota. Right. He just pitched amazingly well when he went to Houston. My experience is typically when you trade for somebody, you tend to get what they've been when you traded for them. You know, sometimes you can make a tweak here and there, and maybe it's the, the, the light that goes on. 
so Bundy would be a guy that I think is on that list of other pitchers out there that people will look at. And, you know, Andrew Kastner is probably on that list, and Wheeler's on that list, and Mike Leake's on that list, and Tanner Rourke is on that list. Uh, but the return for the Orioles will be minimal because you're trading for a guy who, for most playoff contenders, you know, guys like Kastner and Leake mm-hmm. and, and Bundy, you know, they're, they're probably sliding in at the number four, number five spot in those teams' rotations. They're not getting them to be the guy to get them over the hump. They're hoping they can fix them. But it's a low-risk, potential high reward, and that means not much of a return on a deal for the Orioles. They're at best probably getting a second-tier prospect, maybe a third-tier prospect as well. But it's not. So the question is, is it worth it? Uh, but yeah. somebody might have some interest in him because I agree. I love his competitiveness. And he does have some pitches that, if they sequence properly, could make him more effective. All right. Last question, real quick. Uh, when Theo Epstein took over the Cubs, he hired Dale Sfame to be his manager. And I can't remember. I think Dale lasted one year. They decided he wasn't the right guy for the rebuild. It was Richie Renteria. And Richie came in and managed two years. And, they said, and then Madden became available. Uh, watching Brandon Hyde. Will Brandon Hyde, and I'm a fan of his, but will he be the manager when the Orioles are good again? Uh, yeah, I think he's got a shot. I like Brandon Hyde a lot. Yeah, I, I, I do you too. Know, we get the interview him every couple weeks. Uh, I think he's. I think he's made of the right stuff. I think he's. To, there's. There's going to take a level of acceptance and endurance to be part of this rebuild in Baltimore. In patience, uh, and yet you can't accept. Uh, you know, losing either. And so it's a fine line to walk of understanding that you're going to lose, not accepting it, but not, not putting a beat down on the players who are already getting beaten down just by the result. And people think, ah, you know, what's the big deal? No, it's a, it is a big deal. Uh, and continuing to try to develop and get players to improve while they're continuously losing is not always an easy thing. Uh, and so uh, I do. I think he's, I think he is a high character guy yep. uh, from the, from getting to know him and talk to him, uh, I think he's 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 really the right type of a rebuilding manager, uh, and he's been part of winning teams too, mm-hmm. which I think at least opens the possibility that he could be that guy that could transition from the losing team to the rebuilding team to the potential competitive team to a playoff team and still manage every type of roster. It's inter- It's an interesting topic, though. Hey, Steve, I really appreciate the time today on a day off. No problem. You got it. My pleasure. All right. Thank you very much.